Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Seeing is believing. Seeing is not always believing. Kim and I were guests in Western Africa this summer, and I can now say with authority that absolutely nothing in the world could prepare you for an elephant. An elephant emerging from the brush and walking in front of the open Land Rover. Your mind knows it's an elephant, but the enormity of it, the dust filling the air, the sound of its trumpeting and ears flapping, and the thud as its foot lands in the dirt, its foot being some four feet across. The synapses in your brain just short out. Viewing wild animals in Kenya's savanna and Rwanda's jungle, this happened over and over again. The expression mind-blowing emerged in the mid-1960s psychedelic drug culture, but this was not the mind on drugs. This was the mind on safari. So I had this experience of seeing differently, which leads to thinking differently, or as the Apple campaign famously directed us, bad grammar notwithstanding, think different. And I got curious about what it would mean to bring the elephant experience to so-called everyday life. Our life back here in the States, for example, to see with fresh eyes, to see into the heart of things, to change and be changed. Irish poet William Butler Yeats said, the world is full of magic things, patiently waiting for our senses to grow sharper. 30 years ago, there was a movement in American Tibetan Buddhism to claim one day a year as change your mind day. It didn't take, unfortunately, but every day proffers the opportunity to change our minds. As an aside, what did take was make up your mind day, but that's another sermon. The point is, Changing begins with thinking, and thinking begins with seeing. The 21st chapter of the book of Revelation begins, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, 
As we navigate these perilous times, our only planet under dire threat, its people at war. I invite you to join me in this spiritual practice of seeing differently. Let's turn to the inventors, the experts at seeing differently. Will you raise your hand if you remember a time before Velcro? A time before Velcro, great. And is there anyone here who doesn't own a single article of clothing without it, or who doesn't make use of that ubiquitous hook and loop stickiness technology? Okay. So in 1941, a Swiss engineer named Georges de Mistral got curious about the burrs clinging to his socks and jacket and dog after a walk in the woods. Do you know what I mean by burrs? Those super irritating, brown, round, spiky, clingy things, they poke you? Those. George got curious. That's step one in seeing differently. He got curious and he put a burr under his microscope. And what he saw was that nature, capital N, nature, if you'd like, had come up with this hook on the ends of each spike. Dozens of hooks attaching themselves to the fibers of his clothing to the end that he might disperse the seeds and perpetuate the species. It's brilliant. And then Georges de Mistral got brilliant and Velcro, which comes from the French words velour and crochet, Velcro, meaning velvet and hook, was born. The zipper alternative is the go-to for children, elders, for those for whom buttons or laces are a challenge. It's been used in projects as grand as NASA space shuttles and to hold together the first artificial heart. And that unmistakable distinctive tearing noise has proven useful against pickpockets. On the downside, the noise it makes is dangerous for soldiers in hiding. So researchers are now working on the holy grail of silent Velcro. Cue more curiosity. And today there is an entire field of research called biomimetics, which seeks to imitate nature to solve problems. Here ends the dorkiest part of this sermon. Seeing differently is the willingness to get curious and stay with our curiosity, following it further and farther, wherever it might lead. It demands practice and tenaciousness. It's just not easy to see new things or to see old things differently. For a quick summer read, my sister Lisa loaned me her copy of Glennon Doyle's Untamed. I haven't read her earlier work, but this one's a doozy. Have any of you read this? Mm-hmm. Well, without giving anything away that you can't read on the dust jacket, Glennon was a Christian wife and mother of three kids. 
recovering from addiction and disordered eating, making her way in a marriage deeply wounded by her husband's infidelities. One day, out of the blue, Glennon thought, maybe instead I'd like to be with a woman. Her next thought was, so odd. That cannot be real. And then she thought, maybe in a different life. And then she thought, isn't that interesting? As if I had more than one life. Not long afterwards, she flies to a national authors event. It opens with a dinner, which as an introvert, Glennon Doyle dreads. She's reaching for the salad dressing when she looks up as a late arrival enters. She writes, she takes up the entire doorway, the entire room, the entire universe. She stands there for a moment, taking inventory of the room. I stare at her and take inventory of my entire life. And my whole being says, there she is. She was soccer superstar Abby Wambach. Glennon Doyle is now married to her. You get the idea. Seeing differently can be dangerous. Seeing differently can be beautiful. Beautiful. William Wordsworth wrote, with an eye made quiet by the power of harmony and the deep power of joy. We see into the life of things. Born in France in 1623, Blaise Pascal was a both left-handed and right-brained child prodigy who became a mathematician, physicist, and inventor, as well as a philosopher, theologian, and writer. My favorite quote of his is, the heart has its reasons, of which reason knows nothing. The French is beautiful. Le cœur a ses raisons que le raison ne connaît point. Blaise Pascal also is the one who wrote, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. That's yet another sermon. But here's one I just learned, just in time for this deep dive into seeing differently. Small minds are concerned with the extraordinary. Great minds with the ordinary. We may be jarred into seeing differently by the extraordinary, cue an elephant. But it's the ordinary, what's right in front of us, that we're called to practice seeing in a new way, to re-enchant with a new vision. For example, soap in a soap dish. American entrepreneur Robert Taylor repeatedly walked into otherwise spotless bathrooms 
and saw the unwrapped bar of soap sitting in a messy puddle of its own splooch. All of us have seen that. But how many of us would follow up with, I need to invent something to tidy this up? Robert's answer was to put soap in a bottle, liquid soap dispensed from a pump. The year was 1978. His creation was soft soap. And that is how the entire liquid soap industry was born. After his death, Robert Taylor's wife, Mary Kay Taylor, found handwritten notes under the handwriting, what you need to be a successful entrepreneur. One advised, unique idea, fill a gap. To see differently can be entrepreneurial seeing, and to see differently is always the domain of artists and poets. In 1968, discussing her book, The Novel of the Future, Anais Nin said, it is the function of art to renew our perception. What we are familiar with, we cease to see. The writer shakes up the familiar scene, and as if by magic, we see a new meaning in it. There's actually an artistic technique called defamiliarizing, which is to present familiar objects in unfamiliar ways. The theory is that making what is familiar unfamiliar prolongs the perceptive process and allows us a fresh perspective. It originated with the Russians in the earliest 20th century. In Tolstoy's Klostromer, uh, the story of a horse, we hear the whole story from the horse's point of view. So that's an early example of defamiliarizing. I'm not convinced we need to shake up reality to see it differently. Maybe we just need to look, really look, really see. I love these lines from Mary Oliver's poem, When Death Comes, where she says, when it's over, I want to say all my life, I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. I highly recommend to you being swallowed whole by Annie Dillard's Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. I first read it as a 20-year-old student in Japan commuting among the crush of humanity on the Tokyo subway. Annie Dillard writes, nature is very much a now-you-see-it-now-you-don't affair. For a week last September, migrating red-winged blackbirds were feeding heavily down by the creek at the back of my house. One day I went out to investigate the racket I walked up to a tree, an Osage orange, 
and a hundred birds flew away. They simply materialized out of the tree. I saw a tree, then a whisk of color, and then a tree again. I walked closer, and another hundred blackbirds took flight. Not a branch, not a twig budged. The birds were apparently weightless as well as invisible. When I looked again at the tree, the leaves had reassembled as if nothing had happened. Finally, I walked directly to the trunk of the tree, and a final hundred, the real diehards, appeared, spread, and vanished. The Osage orange, unruffled, looked just as it had from the house when 300 red-winged blackbirds cried from its crown. I looked downstream as they flew, and they were gone. These appearances catch at my throat. They are free gifts, one show to a customer. It's all a matter of keeping our eyes open, she continues. When I see this way, I truly see. As Thoreau says, I return to my senses. And here's my favorite passage. Annie Dillard writes, when the doctor took off her bandages and led her into the garden, the girl who was no longer blind saw the tree with the lights in it. It was for this tree I searched. And then one day I was walking along Tinker Creek thinking of nothing at all and I saw the tree with the lights in it. I saw the backyard cedar where the morning doves roost, charged and transfigured, each cell buzzing with flame. I stood on the grass with the lights in it, grass that was wholly fire, utterly focused and utterly dreamed. It was less like seeing than like being, for the first time, seen, knocked breathless by a powerful glance. Gradually, the lights went out in the cedar. The colors died, the cells unflamed and disappeared. The flood of fire abated, but I'm still spending the power, still ringing. I had been my whole life a bell and never knew it until at that moment when I was lifted and struck. Beloved spiritual companions, small minds are concerned with the extraordinary, great minds with the ordinary. The world is full of magic things, patiently waiting for our senses to grow sharper. May we see differently. May we be lifted and struck. May we be married to amazement. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart and namaste. I bow to the divine in you. These words are adapted from the Navajo. 
There is beauty before us and beauty behind us. Above us and below us hovers the beautiful. We are surrounded by it. We are immersed in it. In our youth, we exalt in it, and in old age, we'll sh we shall walk quietly the beautiful trail. In beauty, it is begun. In beauty, it is ended. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen. visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. <laughs>